What's up guys and welcome to another episode of I Went to Fashion School podcast with me, Renata. So my next guest is one half of Artcom's first creative duo, Sam Lambert. Sam started his creative career as a photographer and soon enough developed an appetite for fashion design. From upcycling garments and selling them on Portobello Market, he eventually found himself on Savile Row. Sam and his friend, Shaka Maido, have since spent over a decade refining their artistic collective, Art Comes First. Art Comes First is a collective made up of nine enterprises, focusing on independent creatives, charitable organisations, networking events and consultancy. This was definitely my kind of conversation. We spoke about culture, storytelling within fashion and photography, travelling and collaboration. I really enjoyed having this conversation and was left feeling very inspired and excited about the creative design process. And I hope it does the same for you. As podcasters, we don't know who's listening unless you interact with us. So I would love to hear from you. Please drop me a DM or a comment on the podcast Instagram at I Went to Fashion School Podcast or email me at I Went to Fashion School Podcast at gmail.com. Share this episode if you've learned something new or if you feel like the episode will be good for someone you know. This episode was remotely recorded last year, which is why you'll hear Sam reference 2020 in the present tense. This is the first part of mine and Sam's conversation. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode just as much as I enjoyed recording it. Sam and welcome to the I Went to Fashion School podcast. Hi Renata, thank you for having me. No worries, thank you for being on here. So the title of the podcast is um, I Went to Fashion School, which kind of implies an educational side of fashion, but I'm also very interested in making the podcasts more also about the fashion industry and learning about the stories of people within the industry. So if you wanted to um, just tell us a little bit about how you found yourself in the fashion industry. Um, hi, my name is Sam Lambert, one half of um, a collective called Outcomes First. I found myself to be in fashion because um, of my dad, actually. Uh, my dad used to be a tailor back home. Um, I learned a lot from him by just watching him doing stuff, but uh, I never really wanted to, to do fashion. I was more mm-hmm. in uh, photography. So when I moved to London, I learned uh, that I actually wanted to pursue my career in fashion, but I had to study photography first. And by studying photography, Mm-hmm. I could learn a lot about imagery, art direction, silhouette, colors, and all that. And just from there straight, um, I started getting into design, actually. Yeah, me and my uh, business partner, Shaka Maido, started a little company called Lacan First, which was really us wanted to express ourselves through um, imagery of clothing, which was all based on really putting your art forward and uh, not following anything else anybody's doing or being you, really, self-expression even. That sounds great. You sound like somebody that was very creative, you know, going into photography first and then finding yourself in fashion. Was the photography more of like a, because you've also explained that it's about, you kind of find yourself doing fashion because of a self-expression, but how did the photography and fashion kind of link for you? I mean, the photography and fashion for me linked with, uh, in a way that I always wanted to express myself through image. That's mm-hmm. the reason I started photography. Like I wanted to study creating image and obviously creating images start from either you paint or either you take a picture of an image but i also had to train my eyes 
what kind of image I wanted to take. So out out there being able to look for that image, be looking for for that person or, mm -hmm. or that landscape or for that color or for that texture. So it's really more driven by what I was finding. So I was getting inspiration from from everyday thing, but I had to put myself into that sort of um, mindset, like I'm looking to build an image. So if I don't find it outside, I'll, I'll create it myself while I was indoors or at home or in the studio with friends. So I think that image building, um, that kind of just what made me think like there's much more ways I can express myself mm -hmm. creating an image instead of me just going out and capturing it. So what about actually creating the thing I want to see? I want my landscape to be like this. I want the person to post this way. I want this type of color. So I really started it almost like if you have to paint like a, a sketchbook or, uh, or, or cartoon animation, mm -hmm. you, like, you dress him as you like to dress. You put places you like to see him. So it's really uh, most of a storytelling. So that kind of just linked to story fashion with me. And even myself doing that, I didn't realize that I was putting myself through that also. I was a cartoon character myself. Every day I would dress different based on how I want to express myself. So it's, it's really more like a study of myself, actually. That's the reason, again, keep calling it self-expressionism because it was really studying of myself. I fit into this place or with this person or with this color or with this clothing. And because of that, the link was so much into an image. You had to create that character and then that character with the clothing. That character becoming the clothing it just linked fashion and image. So I think photography and fashion for me started that way. The way I see photography is that photography is to do with the visuals, the image, you see something, you capture it. And then fashion is about like, well, in my opinion, in the way I see it is that you have a, an idea or a concept and then you use your hands to kind of like um, use the different skills and, and, and techniques that you know to recreate that image or recreate that garment that you wanted. Do you start with an image first and then you create this uh, this look or do you create this piece and then use photography to, to you know, capture the essence? Okay, so that, that's really good. That, uh, I like how you kind of define it your own way because I think that's also very important. Let's push uh, people to really stick into how they see, how they can really interpret. So for me, I think photography couldn't exist without fashion. Fashion couldn't exist without uh, photography. But the most important, the reason they go hand in hand because they create a story. Mm -hmm. For me, it's about storytelling. Telling is important for me. And to be able to tell a story clearly, to use imagery. So I studied photography. I'm obviously not going to show my age. I studied photography when it was a black and white. There was a film, dark room, all that sort of stuff. The process was, I'm not going to say it was much more interesting because obviously now the digital part also works. But it was, it was intriguing to me because I'll take a picture like now a few seconds and if I finish the film, I go and actually develop that film. Mm -hmm. After developing in the dark room, be able to project it into a paper and that image go to a paper and then be able to take that image and the paper, which you can't see yet, you put it into a liquid. And then after being there for a while, you actually see your image. And uh, that was kind of as impressive to me. That's how I see fashion. Fashion, you have like, a story in your head. Mm -hmm. And now you have to create those characters, almost like um, a filmmaker. You want a story about a lost land nobody knows, but you need to paint a picture for those people to be able to actually start seeing that. So the way I design is never either uh, silhouette before or photography before. It's about what story I want to tell. In fact, while I'm doing that, both photography and fashion, they actually go hand in hand. So let's say I'll give you um, just a quick idea of one of the collections I did last. 
I wanted to tell a story about a black cowboy. Myself into that mindset, a black cowboy. So it wasn't like, well, let me think, what is he going to wear? Let me think about what sort of photography. I started straight thinking black cowboy. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to think 1800 black cowboy now, today, 2020. And I remember what's going on with the fashion now, 2020. And I also thought about, hold on. That actually doesn't have to be practical on a horse riding. Back then, I used to make all that stuff. How do I use those details to make them fit into fashion? Even though back then, it was just more based on utilitarian. But that wasn't enough. I was like, someone else might have also thought about that. Then I have to think about what all the subcultures I can include to make it very modern of how they reinterpret the cowboy culture, which was based on actually more of a, more of like a, Sort of like a, a, a working, a working group of people, but I bring that into fashion. So you see, now I start talking fashion. So I start looking into the fashion side. Now hold on, now let me research some images of like how the cowboy used to look back then. Mm -hmm. How can I bring today, and how can I make him relevant for the future? But also not just seeing cowboy, but seeing much more than a cowboy. Then I have a fashion on the left, photographer on the right. So it's never, it's never one thing or the other. It's always with the story. So the storytelling. That's what's going to get me to keep balancing. Okay, this is the image. But how do I want it to do this fabric? Also, what this fabric will do if I make this type of garment? You know, so I always go left and right, left and right. Photographer, photographer. Even while I'm shooting the, the, the collection, I have to keep on thinking both. Photographic, does this image look? But fashion, how does this image look? So that's also why I use some of my art directional lens in photography. Nice. That sounds super interesting. And I like the fact that you're emphasizing that it's not like a straightforward um, route, it's very lateral. So you, so, you know, you go back and forth, back and forth with their ideas until you kind of, you kind of think, okay, this is the end. It's never just, I'll look at the photography, then I'll do the fashion. It's always fashion photography, fashion photography, or whatever kind of inspires you as a designer. Yeah, because you have to move your craft forward. So then you have to make sure, really, what are you moving forward? Is a study in itself. I know sometimes people think it's enough by going to uni, getting a diploma, and that's saying, I want to do this work. No, you never stop studying or learning. And you never stop teaching also, because we're all learning from each other also. You're learning from yourself. So it's important to keep on going back and forth with things. It's, it's you know, like I, we just did a project now in a museum, and it was incredible to go to see how those many of those pieces artisan did back then. I'm talking about like 1800 and be able to come and be like wow, wow so much relevant and they start figuring out all these utilitarian things but oh yeah they have to chase here things so you know like very much um what we do here nowadays for just detailing but back then there was like a bigger meaning on it so looking at it on that historical side of, of the museum mm -hmm. you're like wow understanding fashion even in a deeper way it's much more than just um like surface level Let's talk a little bit about how the brand got started. So how did the idea come about and what inspired you and your friend to decide, oh, okay, let's do the brand now and it's going to look like this? So I think we never really said, let's do the brand now mm -hmm. and let's make it like this. We just made sure that everything was done organically. Yeah. So for us, again, it was never really about fashion. We didn't want to create any sort of like fashion line. We didn't want to create any clothing per se, it was really more like there was that urge of wanting to just express ourselves. But at the same time, you know, when you're young, you want to express yourself, you can't really, you can't really like do it fully because some part of it, you're going to need some sort of 
financial aid and all that. Asi was like, you know what, let's look into different ways to make this work for us. Which was basically us looking into, if I have a five pound in my pocket and I want to create, since the urge of creating so much stronger me, I'm going to create no matter what. So we started frequenting Port Vila Market a lot because we're from West London. So by going to Port Vila Market so much, we realized that by the end of the day, most of the traders, they'll get them some stuff. Yeah. Either they sell them really cheap or some of the stuff they just they wouldn't take them back with them. But we started making free deals with them. And it was really just like going, buying some free things. And like, if you like the, the color or the fabrication, uh, we'd be like, oh, we can make it work. So then we start realizing like, for this garment to last till now, someone actually put a lot of effort and, and, and be able to actually make this um, this beautiful piece to to, to become vintage. So was, we start looking into the, the, the craftsmanship of it. The craftsmanship became almost a drive. So we'll take this with us in our studio and we'll open it. And we're trying to figure out how can we make it fit us perfectly, obviously tailor-made, and also how can we change a few things about it, make it relevant to to what we wanted to express ourselves at the time. Nice. So then it was becoming more and more our way of expressing ourselves. So by the time we start making a bit more of um, of, uh, of money, we start buying a few more different things and keep on changing them around. So by creating really stressing on the jackets, by changing the feet on the jacket, by mixing up two different garments, it was just pure practicing to, to be able to, uh, to get to the point we wanted to get, you know? Uh, and I think because of that, a lot of people reacted how we looked, and there was a lot of, where'd you get that from? And, and, and all these, obviously, they were unique pieces because nobody else was doing the same thing we are doing. And I wear it with a shaka wear. And since we weren't thinking of clothing, we were just, so we weren't thinking of a clothing brand. So we would just wear it purely because of we wanted to express ourselves. Yeah. And I think even though in a nine to five jobs, people were reacting like, wow, like, this is quite fresh or this is quite different. They're like good or bad. Obviously, we had a lot of different reactions. <laughs> Some of them good. I'm actually mostly bad, <laughs> but that was the drive. Actually, we didn't really, we did, we didn't really want people to like it. Yeah, like when people did, we go, oh yeah, there's something here. If you don't like it, must be really different. Must be like the first time they see this. You know, mm -hmm. like remember the first time you 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 hear music genre mm -hmm. and you didn't understand it, so you didn't actually feel normal. It's like ah, actually I don't know, like it almost that kind of thing. And you're like, but by the time it grows on you, you like you like it more and more and more. That's kind of how we wanted it to be. To make the store straight, I think after we customize so many things for ourselves, we start getting requests from people. We start being approached by different like artists with like our Kingmaker stage piece for me. But by then, I was still studying photography. I was selling pictures on the market, and nobody was buying pictures. <laughs> Everyone was coming. They're like, "I like your jacket." <laughs> oh, heard from, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like people are reacting on what I'm wearing instead of like my craft I'm doing here, like. Buy my photography and then I just realized I was like, oh, maybe I wasn't that good photographer. Um, and a lot of people was like, you know what? You should look into what you're wearing more. Like trying to do a bit of a change in that. Like see how how people react in the market. So next weekend I created a well where I put clothing, few of the pieces I created, and I still had the pictures on the table. People came instead of buying the pictures of shooting, they just straight to the well and they start buying them really expensive. Like pieces are above for five pounds and I and I changed them. They start buying them for like forty five pound, and I'm talking about like early two thousand. Wow! I'm like, yes, yeah, so I I looked at the, the market with like a few good changes, and I was like, you know what? This is actually maybe I should just like uh, trying to pursue this. And uh, I think by then it was almost like I needed to step away to be able to come back. Mm -hmm. So um, I go 
I got an idea of uh, moving to Sweden to just be able to focus. Late 90s and early 2000 in London, it was just a bit too rowdy for me. It was just too much. It was a lot of creative. It was a great energy, but also sometimes that energy was just going to a different negative ways. And so I, I took off to Sweden for five years, focused there, uh, opened up a little shop, and I started to um, learn more about tailoring. So I bought some few packing books. I bought a few more books about tailoring. So that was less of images. That was really more practical. Even though while I was customizing, I was already kind of understanding a few things because I was opening the garment to see how it's made. But then when I really went to Sweden, by sitting, be able to take my time and be able to really visualize what I wanted to create, um, everything became much more focused. After being in Sweden for a good five years, mm-hmm. uh, I headhunted to work in Savvy World. And then when I went to Savvy World, that was just when everything took off. Wow. The key word from that, of what you've just said, is organically. Like everything was so organic like you just tried it out and it worked and you responded to what was working in the moment your craft wasn't like oh because of the response it was more so like what am I enjoying doing with photography and you know the upcycling within you know the upcycling was getting more attention and you were kind of enjoying that more so you kind of turned to that and um kind of like let everything just organically um fall into place and I think having studied um fashion design i think it becomes a little bit like for me i'm finding it becomes quite stagnant because your mm. creative process becomes um it becomes interrupted by the other things because now you're studying you have to worry about your school fees then once you have graduated you have to worry about paying back all the loans that you've took out as a student so it does kind of hinder you and um restrict you from thinking organically but hearing your story definitely definitely like reminding me that the creative process is not the academic way of doing things that you actually just have to do things for the fun of it and just do things um, because you enjoy them or because you're interested in them. And then responses will come and then you kind of grow within your craft and your skills, um, if that makes sense. No, it does. Yeah. And I believe, I believe the, there is always a way. So I always tell people, like, whatever you're trying to do, trying to make, there's always a way. Mm-hmm. So never give up on your first, on your first try. It's, it's, it's like if I'm not, I'm not able to do it this way, but I still have this urge of creating or doing something. Let me look for different ways, and and it's true. Like either you coming from um educational background, or either you self taught. I think it's important to really realize you have to do things which you actually do enjoy doing, mm-hmm. and they actually you. So those things meaning by the time you go to bed, you'll be having dreams about them. Yeah. So as soon as you wake up, you have these amazing ideas. You'll be like, oh my god, like. And people will be like, how do you get inspired? Because those things are truly you. And I think because no one else can be you, you're always going to be um, unique because you have that certain things about uh, how, how to do things your own way. I think the reason we get so into all the stuff people are doing because you can really see how much of original they are. Obviously, nothing is new um, under the sun, but I think because you are the person doing it and you're keeping it too really who you are that's the original side of it mm-hmm. and i think it's important for for for, for someone who, who wants to create to really put himself on the first thing is to create the reason you're doing this is to create that creation that's what's going to lead you to many different things that's what's going to create the link if you think oh, the reason i'm doing this because i want to be famous or because you start losing your your focus yeah i agree um and just going back into your story um so you went into sweden you went to sweden and kind of like focused more on the practical side of fashion and then you found yourself on savile row and is that would you say that's where your kind of tailoring um 
focus then um, became because your brand is is um is very tailored isn't it like the aesthetic of the of the brand is very around tailoring and creating a bespoke uh, look yeah i think i think first of all i have to say uh i needed all these steps that's the reason i I'll say again it's really key to be yourself and to focus on yourself mm-hmm. i needed all these steps from portobello market to sweden to savvy row because um i wouldn't do what i do if i didn't go through that so what what sweden helped was me to be able to focus on like what i was doing back then in in, in um in Sav- in sorry in portobello market it was very much DIY, which is into the idea of like how it used to be done in a punk era. Mm-hmm. And what I did in Sweden was like, okay, since I have all this time in hand, maybe I should focus on actually understanding the practical part of it. Mm-hmm. So I started getting telling books and understanding really what's behind creating your own silhouette or understanding the craftsmanship or that. And I think by the time I put that in the universe, like me, I go ahead hunting in Savio. And I think Saviro, it was like, okay, now this is the institution where people actually make this craft we were trying to do. We actually make it, they make it on, on this master level. Mm-hmm. So then I only had to be humble to learn how they do it there, but at the same time, not forget where I came from. So I start mixing my, on what I learned in Sweden. And also went all the way back to London when I was doing my DIY kind of thing while I was trying to make garment together or put garment together. So I think that became what we, we call now as a motto in Savoy, we call it punk tailoring because I had to mix all of me to come to Savoy and create that punk tailoring. And my post, even though I learned all these techniques in Savoy, my post was totally different because background I had. Mm-hmm. So then I started realizing the rules I was breaking and while I was breaking them, and I also start learning new ways of creating things. And I think Savoy really got to give me a, uh, more of a, a direction and make me understand what I was doing right and what I was doing wrong. So it was almost like, this is it, like from here, now you can do whatever. You can express, you can uh, recreate what you call tailoring or what you call punk tailoring. So yeah, it, it defined a lot of things. In fact, I think Savvy will help in terms of like defining what I was doing, just putting my craftsmanship into words. So I think punk tailoring was a given. It was like me getting inspired by the punk fashion how putting things together, packing things together, creating your own identity, creating your own look. And Sweden was like almost like my own school sort of way, like mm-hmm. homeschool. I kind of just taught myself a few things. And uh, with Savaro, it's more of like this pride of obviously, if you live in England, it's one thing we're very proud of. Like this was the first tree where the, the bespoke garment was made. Mm-hmm. You know, you can barely even find it in other places in the world. Like in England, we have that road, that street. Uh, very much the top, the tailoring, the 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 luxury garment making. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have like the royal family used to make stuff. They still have labels saying like, you know, by royal family. Most uh, skillful tailors there. Like, you know, there's people there that will blow your mind. So me just being in that street, I was already privileged. So mm-hmm. I think that helped me to be able to say, from here I can't do it wrong. Like I need to make these people proud, make myself proud because of the route I went through. I need to make my dad proud almost like a 360 now. So Savio was like the full complete 360. Wow. And you mentioned that once you got there, you had to kind of like humble yourself. I'm assuming it wasn't something that, it wasn't the environment that you were used to. And being in that, I guess it is like the industry. Was it how you expected it or what challenges did you kind of face? Um, You know, having come from Sweden to then going into, you know, 
self-worth. As you know how everything works, those things are never how you uh, expect them to be. There was a lot of things I uh, I learned, good and bad, obviously. Like I, I was there just as a sponge, so I need to take everything in, mm-hmm. how to do things, how not to do things. But I think one thing I felt like it was really great is to see how proud every house was. That you really learn, like, this is English tailoring. This is us being on top of tailoring um, business. And I think there was also a lot of proud in terms of, like, understanding fabrication. It became a thing, like, you know, you know, this, this bros going certain everybody uses, you know, even Jackie Lapel comes from Belgium because of this house and blah, blah, blah. This tweed comes from Scotland because, you know, here that's what we use. But it was also practical, you know, like, you start understanding really, like, the reason they use tweed for hunting is because of that. The reason that detail is there because I think I was mesmerized how many things I used to just think, oh, that detail is really cool. Wow, I love it. And I'll put it on something just because I thought it was cool. Oh, shit, it was it for that. It became really like kind of like a, a funny thing almost even to, to, to start understanding myself. To so sometimes even like to laugh at myself. I was like, oh my God, I was using this detail wrong. It, it, it helped me to humble myself. But at the same time, as my ex-boss used to say, he used to call me Maverick because I came there. Obviously, I'm still very much on my analog way of doing things. Photography, it was dark room, you know, um, manual is you know literally like touching things even though i was in cyber world there was a lot of digital stuff happening people did like digital patent cutting and people did all these specs uh, and then all the technical files but i still felt like i didn't want to just go and jump into that digital world i'm still very much an analog kid so i'll sit along with the tailors even though i was part of the design team and i'll just look at them working working and obviously most of them they're already old because there wasn't that many young people back then and now there's few young people doing it in cyber world understand what they're doing and to be able to see okay for me to design this way i need to make sure he understands my design so he can actually cut it or create it that way or stitch it that way mm-hmm. i picked a mannequin and i start doing a lot of drapings i start recreating a lot of lapels on the mannequin i start putting a lot of cloth actually on the mannequin before i do anything we kind of just match the spec to the factory the fact that oh, this is great but there's one thing missing because the fact that we get it and we interpret it, comes back, we have to correct it, send it back. Da, da, da. Once they send that spec, I'll pick a jacket and I'll cut all these pieces of pattern and put on top of the jacket mm-hmm. and send it to them. So by the time they have it, they'll be like, oh yeah, now they realize. So I was cutting extra patterns on top of the garment and they're like, oh yeah, so here we actually have to change this pocket shape. These lapel need to be like, because I, I physically cut it with pattern paper and I put it on top of it. And then... They kind of, kind of just like that we're working. So we actually took it even deeper. So I start bringing my old days of Portobello in. Mm-hmm. So I start going buying vintage garments, bringing them, changing them, applying all these new things I was doing with, already with the mannequin. And it just seemed, my boss seemed to like how, uh, how kind of dynamic we were working with, with the digital team. And then instead of us sending all the specs to them and tell them to create the garment, it was like, you know what? Why would not just send them like a piece of the papers you're cutting or the pattern paper you're cutting off the lapels or, or, or the hem or whatever, send it to them and get them to just send us mock-ups. So they send us mock-ups like as part of the jacket. Yeah, and that was financially good for us. It was sustainable because we didn't have to make a full garment. We just had to make a part of it. You know, we either do the lapel or either we do the hem or the, the, all that sort of different ways. Uh, it helped us also to move forward. Even sometimes just the cuff of the jacket because I wanted to change the cuff. I don't want it to do a garment straight. 
So I'll tell them, like, well, give me all these different cups or all these different lapels I cut. And then we start applying them into a garment. So, again, that was one of the things I brought in because I see how they work there. And it's interesting how, um, like, in your process, you were still working with the digital um, side and the um, tactile side. Because, obviously, in the time that we're living now with COVID and everything, that a lot of what was happening in fashion kind of became digital. I'm also a big fan of, like, touching and being very tactile with um, with with garments in the fashion process because, you know, fashion design is it's tactile there's fabrics this product is a garment that you wear that you touch um but no it's really interesting that within that process even when the digital was kind of coming in you're still finding ways to um use the digital to convey a design but still show the actual physical pieces yeah because what i always tell people what we shouldn't forget the reason we get into this creative um world because we love the creative process Sometimes it's not about the end product. It's about the creative process and how do we, how, how we work as a team. The, the quote said perfectly, Seth, like, teamwork makes dream work. If I have an idea and I don't work with it with the team, I can never really reach a, a full potential of ideas. And I think me being an analog king living in the digital world and working in fashion, which is really, it's all about imagery. But at the end of the day, that image needs to last. And to make that image last, you need to be well-crafted. Mm-hmm. So it's really, for me, fashion is craftsmanship. And to be able to create craftsmanship without touching it, for me, is, is not even almost impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> so bringing that craftsmanship and being able to touch and feel and smell it, adding the digital side to that, that was almost like making a dream work. So I have to make sure I understand what world they live in because everything is digitalized. Yes, but yeah. also I also have to understand what my passion, what my, um, my passion lays on, which mm-hmm. is really creating things with my hands. Um, and I think that's important to be able to marry these two things together. Like even though now, as I said, during COVID, all this stuff are happening, we create a much more digital world, but you can see how much the digital world trying to make things look almost analog because they want to make you feel like you, you actually can touch it. Because again, it's about imagination, right? It's about your imagination rather than what you can actually see. So at the end, you, are, you might actually start almost feeling like you're feeling it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The senses are definitely still a very important part. Big time. Yeah. 